Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Batter up. Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 122 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Maggie Wiggin. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, it's just a two-woman show this week, but we will cover a lot in a very short time. Uh, because we have a preview. Doing time. a lot in, in shortness is kind of our our like flagship move. Yeah, that's mine and Maggie's mo as the as the uh, short lady half of <laughs> of, the, of the cohort. We combined are about equal to one Linda or Kellyanne. Yeah, it's true. Um, but so I mean, I think that this show is going to be pretty Mets heavy because Yay. the Mets are good. <laughs> Have earned it. Good Mets, good boys. We the like Mets it. Are good. <laughs> guys the Mets are good um if I could pat them on the head right now I would I want to like scratch them behind their ears like oh who's a good baseball team it's you it's who's you. such a good baseball team it's you good with the little wet nose oh the Mets yeah. are good um that game last night was probably <laughs> the most fun 20 minutes I've had watching baseball in quite some time um, it was, it was wild because I, I did not see most of the game last night. I, um, left in maybe like the second or third inning, um, because I went to my soccer game 
And then my soccer game was over. I checked the score while I was walking home and it was still nothing, nothing in like the eighth inning. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, and I texted Michael, like, it's really still nothing, nothing. And he was like, yep, both teams just are pitching their asses off. And I was like, cool. And then like, as I was walking home was when the Cardinals took the lead. And I texted Michael and said, at least the Mets had the decency to lose before I could see it. (laughs) (laughs) And I literally walked in the door to the apartment when Dominic Smith was up at bat and like walked in as it was happening. And I just like screamed and Michael like came over and hugged (laughs) me and we yelled and probably woke, woke up a lot of our neighbors. I'm sorry, everyone, but it was, it was really good. <laughs> we, we had over here, the polar opposite experience because I watched the whole game all evening, but then around 10 o'clock, my daughter who was five years old was still awake. And there was a bit of, shall we say shit show occurring. And I, Trevor may had just come in and I was like, all right, I'm just, this is, this is too much. I'm going to lie down with my daughter and I dozed off. And I woke up like 25 or whatever minutes later and um, pulled out my phone. I was like, what? (laughs) I I I, I picked up my phone as Brandon Nimmo hit his home run. And I was like, that was not the awakening as I was was expecting, but it was very nice. Like it was a nice way to wake up. It was kind of like a little mini West coast road trip where I always get a little morning surprise if it's going to be a win or not. But yeah, yeah. so that was fine. I got to see, I got to see a really great pitcher's duel and then like half of a Trevor May meltdown and then everybody winning and happy. That's yeah. That's, that's like the perfect game. I do like how Trevor May tweeted all the emojis except me. <laughs> yeah. I hope he's okay. Yeah. He does look great. Yeah. He's having a hard time. Um, and it's, it, it makes me sad, but Hopefully, you know, it's not anything wrong and that he's he's just in a little bit of a funk and he'll get out of it. And, you know, other other pitchers yeah. in the bullpen are pitching. OK, now, like, you know, Seth Lugo and Joely Rodriguez were struggling, but then they both had really good weeks. Joely week. Rodriguez looks quite respectable right now. Suddenly now, good. Say. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by what I'm seeing. I say this as one of the biggest detractors of that trade, having been a big Miguel Castro stan. Uh, I think you can also argue that it might still have been a bad trade, even if he turns out to be kind of fine. Yes, I agree. That's just, I'm not saying for sure, but like the the process there was maybe not their best. Yes, I agree. Although, you know, it's it's definitely better if he's good and I hope he continues to be. Um, Um, so the, the other thing that happened uh, during the like flurry of that insane game last night, which was awesome and just so nice to see everybody involved in that one and just being generally all around good, good rally boys. Nice job. It was a great team win. And the Mets are now 13 and five and four and a half games in first place in the NLEs. And they are currently winning. Um, tonight in the fifth inning, it's only two, nothing. So, you know, a lot can happen. We know that teams are capable yeah. of coming, coming back from a two run deficit. Um, so we'll see what happens in this game. But as of, as, of, as we record this on uh Tuesday evening, the Mets are 13 and five and four and a half games up on their closest, um, division rival, which is right now the Marlins, but all those teams are kind of jumbled up next to each other. Um, But yeah, the other crazy thing that happened amidst like all the like flurry of excitement of last night's game was that 
um, was the Jacob deGrom injury update, which was like not very <laughs> notable, but it was only notable because of how strange the like it was and the way the Mets handled it. It's like the Mets can never fully shake themselves of Mets, even when they're playing so well, like a Mets thing still has to be happening. And in they this just case, have just, to make it weird. Yeah, they, they just had to make it weird. They just can't do a thing like any other team, even if and this wasn't even like it sort of seemed like they were going to be really cowardly and drop some shitty news at midnight after a good win. Um, but they dropped good news, good news. It, the whole progression of it was very odd. So like, yes, first, cause there was also like contradicting stories. Otherwise it wouldn't be the Mets. Right. Like first he, first he had had an MRI. Like that was the story. Like he had an MRI. We'll know the results soon. But then he didn't actually have an MRI. It was only a CT scan. And then he'd have the MRI on Monday and we'd get an update then, which was yesterday. Then pregame before the before last night's game, Buck was like, oh, actually, I'm not going to give an update. And he and Buck said it even in a very strange way. Like he said, like, I'm not getting involved in the Jacob deGrom update. What are you talking about? Um, And like, and he was like, we're not updating because like doctors don't work on weekends or something weird, which let me just tell you as someone who knows a lot of doctors, they do work on weekends. I I assure you, especially Um, if you were paying them what the New York Mets pay, whoever does Jacob deGrom's MRI or not MRI as the case may be. Yeah. You mean to tell me that like, Jacob deGrom had an MRI that would determine whether he could start throwing and they couldn't find a doctor to look at it on the weekend, please. (laughs) Um, So like that whole time I'm thinking, I guess the MRI was just the friends we made along the way. Like (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Um, So yeah, like you said, Maggie, the whole time, like this is happening and it's like, actually, we're not getting an update. Uh, Maybe we'll update you after the game. You're kind of thinking like, why are they holding back this information if they have it? Very strange. And so it's like, is it bad news? But in like, but in this case, like the bad news would have been no change. Like the bad news would have been like, you know, the stress reaction hasn't really healed the way we would like to see. And he can't throw yet. Like that would have been the bad news. But so then like my brain is going wild and I'm like, did they find some new (laughs) injury that was not there before? Like what is happening here? I mean, I Um, definitely did actually fall asleep for good between the announcement that there was going to be an announcement and the announcement. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually, so I did actually wake up in the morning to another pleasant surprise of like, oh, good morning. Jacob deGrom's arm isn't being amputated. Yeah, exactly. I I think that like when they said there was going to be an update, it was like right after the game. I took it. I finally took a shower because I hadn't like I had stayed. I have gotten home from my soccer game all sweaty and I hadn't like moved since like since I got home because I was like so, you know, happy about the win. I was basking in all its glory and I was like, I have to go to the office tomorrow. I should probably like, you know, shower or something. So <laughs> I took a shower and then when I got out of the shower was when they announced the Jacob deGrom news, which is that you know, it was, it was, the news was basically that there was significant improvement and healing in his shoulder of the stress reaction. And he can begin strengthening the shoulder. They didn't say he can throw, but they said he can start strengthening it and he'll have another set of images in a couple of weeks. And at that point, maybe he'll be able to throw, which is like basically on progression for like, like, 
you know, it's like on tr- yeah. on target for what they said at the beginning. Like it wasn't the the most optimistic, like the earliest, most optimistic timeline was that he would have started throwing this week. But like two weeks removed from that was like kind of a median outcome slash maybe even slightly optimistic. Like, I don't get it. It was good news. But they were like, maybe we won't. And then all of a sudden after the game, they were like, just kidding. Here it is. Bye. Mods asleep post Jacob deGrom update. And I was like, you only do that when it's bad. Like, why are you doing that when it's good? I mean, honestly, the most rational explanation for that entire sequence of events is that one of the beat reporters pissed somebody off and they did it just to make him stay up until midnight. Probably. That is, that is like my working theory just because anything else would just be too stupid even for the Mets. Yeah, yeah. So the Mets had to make it weird, but that said, at least it's good news. At least they won the game. At least the Mets are good <laughs> for, Yay, for the time Mets. being. The Mets the are Mets. good. Um, and speaking of good Mets, I also want to shout out um, Chris Bassett is now through however many gazillions through five scoreless on 77 pitches with no runs and is looking very, very good. And yep. a plus on Chris Bassett, we like him. We like Chris Bassett. And and, it, and that's good to see, especially since he had a rough his kind of first rough outing of the year, his last start. So to see yeah. him bounce back from that and have a really strong outing this time is really good. So. That's good to see. Great. The Mets are doing it every night with, uh, with the pitching and we, we love to. So yeah, the rotation has been damn near flawless, which is pretty impressive. Kisses all over. And they're doing it without DeGrom, which is all the more incredible. Um, I guess that's why, you know, you know, you sign another ace and then you get like a legit number two and then you already have a who at least used to be a legit number two in Carrasco who looks like a number two again. (laughs) Fabulous. So, you know, things are looking good in the Mets rotation, which is super great. Um, Hopefully Taiwan Walker comes back next weekend. It's all we will be witnessing in person, which is very exciting. We are Um, going to be hitting. Some serious Apato real life quotum quorums right now. Not yes. quotas, the other one. Quorum. Yeah. Quorum. It's gonna be excellent. Yeah. We're going to the game on Saturday, so there will be content for you. It's my <laughs> birthday. Yeah. Um, so the the interesting thing about the Mets right now, obviously they're playing well, and that's all very great. Um, but and and this is true of a lot of teams, not just the Mets, but on May 1st rosters are shrinking from 28 players to 26 because this 28 player thing was always temporary um, because of the, you know, abbreviated spring training. They figured that there would be like, you know, injuries and they would need more players to help avoid injuries and things like that. But they kind of are like phasing it out now. So they're going to shrink the rosters back to the normal 26 um, on May 1st. And the Mets are going to have some very interesting choices to make, at at least on the position player side. Um, It seems like the Mets are probably going to cut one pitcher and one position player. Um, And a lot of the players who are on the bubble, so to speak, are don't have options. So they will have to DFA guys. For example, I think that the probably the most obvious cut on the pitching side that's like a little bit more clear cut than the position player side is Sean Reed Foley, but he does not have options. So the Mets would have to DFA him outright, um, which they they probably will, and he might clear waivers, but that's something that the Mets are considering because they risk losing these guys waivers. Um, but that's that's sort of quote air quotes, like clear cut 
Um, there are a couple of other potential options that the Mets might use on the pitching side, but it seems like that's the move they're going to make. But on the position well, player, that's a good reason though, to like, to really look closely at, for example, like May and see like, is he fully recovered from whatever little shoulder blip was a couple weeks ago? Because if not, and he could really use some time to recover a little more than, then buy yourself another 10 days. Yeah. Like, like you can just, you just, can IL him. Yeah. There's, there's multiple ways in which that stint could be beneficial to the team. If there's, if there's a reason for it, which yeah. like, I hope they're looking closely at him and any other guy for that matter, who's feeling sore, like just buy the time. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And on the position player side, things are a little less clear cut. Um... You know, you have you have your guys who are on the bubble, which are, you know, the guy like you have Travis Jankowski, for example, who doesn't have options either. But he has been playing a very useful role on the team because of the way the Mets roster is constructed. They don't really have a fourth outfielder. Um, They have, you know, they have Jeff McNeil's ability to play the outfield uh, to rest an outfielder and then, you know, play. Luis Guillorme at second base or something, or shift Eduardo Escobar to second base and play JD Davis at third base, something like that. But they don't really have like a tried and true fourth outfielder. And Travis Jankowski has been has been subbing in late innings for defense. He's been pinch running a lot. Yeah, so like, he's a fast guy. He doesn't. He has a light. The bat is light, but you know he he is the kind of player who can give you really solid like, like defensive replacement running skills. Like. There and there's also no other obvious replacement for that on the roster. Like they have a lot of speed and defense in the starting lineup, but, but their bench guys not as much. Exactly. Um, so he's been like serving a role on the roster that's not easily filled by other people. Um, now you also have uh, in the area of people who do have options, you have Luis Guillorme has options, but he's the only backup shortstop the Mets have. So it seems very unlikely that the Mets will, will option Guillorme because then they have no backup to Francisco Lindor. Um, and they have no ability to do what they have done one time at least, which is, you know, have Francisco Lindor kind of take a breather by being the DH. The Mets have successfully used the DH as load management, I think pretty successfully in the early season. Um, and they like them should be doing like they have that flexibility. That's a really good way to use it. Exactly. Build up the team long term. 
I think that they've done a great job with that. Um, and they can't continue to do that if they don't have Guillaume on the roster because he's the only backup at shortstop. Um, and so he serves as your utility infielder, which is a role that you really need on the team. So then that leaves you with Dominic Smith and Robinson Cano. Dominic Smith has options. Cano obviously is a veteran player, does not. Um, you would have to DFA Cano. You would have to cut him outright. And, you know, Cano is looking awful. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, he, he yeah. seems washed at this point. Well, I'll start um, this conversation. Well, first, I want to say my real answer to what should happen is that they shouldn't be cutting the rosters down. It was fine at 28. I wish everyone would just agree to keep it. It works. I agree. That's like, I don't know if that is a, if, if everyone, if that's a hot take, but it is a take, it is mine. That's my real answer for what the Mets should do. But moreover, I do want to enter in this conversation by acknowledging that Dom Smith is not tearing the cover off the ball either. And like, I'm a little annoyed at him on a personal level. Like, come on, Dom, please. Like, this is like, just, just answer the question. Just like settle it. A couple of big hits. And I think it doesn't have to be discussed anymore, but he is doing just badly enough that it does seem reasonable to fear that they will use that as a reason to keep Robinson Cano, who does in fact look like he will never hit a ball again. Yeah. And there's like several things like obviously the eye test is the eye test. And you can look at the way Robinson Cano has been playing with your eyeballs and realize that he looks like a 39 year old who, you know, hasn't played <laughs> like he, who, he was coming off a steroid suspension and didn't play all of last year. He looks like that guy with the eye test. But it, I actually like, you know, took a look at the batted ball data and Michael took a look at the batted ball data because he wrote a piece about like arguing the exact thing. That the, Mets, at the data folks that the Mets should cut Robinson Cano and his piece should go up on Amazing Avenue soon, um, probably tomorrow. Um, and it, it's ugly, you guys. Like, it's it's worse than I even thought. It's worse than the eye test. Robinson Cano has not pulled a single ball in the air, like, like at all, this entire season. Like, if you look at his spray chart, you he know. He just rolls over on everything. Just rolls over on everything. The ground balls are, are all over the field. The fly balls are only to the opposite field, which is you know, it's good to hit the ball to the opposite field, you know, I'm mean, especially with the way the teams are shifting these days, it's good to hit the ball to the opposite field, but with a, an extreme pull hitter, like Cano, this is indicative of bat speed decline. And you can see that he cannot catch up to velocity right now at all. He's not turning on pitches at all. Like zero is he turning on pitches. Um, and it's just very, very discouraging, uh, to look at and his, all, all of the, all of the indicators are in decline. His hard hit rates in decline, like all of these things that are the big red flag warning signs for age related decline are all there with Robinson. And Cow. I will say, I also say, I say this as Robinson Co is my son's favorite player. Like one of my most prized photos ever is him and Robinson Cano at fan fest, like hugging. It's amazing. I would love for Robinson Cano to remain on this baseball team. So I can hear, Oh man, is that Robinson Cano? And like, but nonetheless, I would also like to go somewhere this season and have some meaningful games in September. And dare I say October. And I don't think Robinson Cano is going to be something that gets you there. Yeah. Agreed. This is the first test 
true test of the Steve Cohen Mets of whether they are willing to eat sunk cost. We said this on this on this show at the beginning of the year when we talked about, you know, spring training and cuts out of spring training. And does Robinson Cano look like, you know, he still has it? And if not, the Mets have to be able to cut him. And I had no problem with the Mets giving Cano this first month while the rosters were 28 to show whether he had something. But now we've gotten to the point where it would be actively detrimental to have him on the roster at the expense of someone like Dominic Smith, who, as you said, is not tearing the cover off the ball and unfortunately making this decision difficult rather than very clear cut. Um, And, you know, but at least has the ups, it has the upside. At least I see the potential there. Whereas Robinson Cano, just sticking him out there every day is not going to help the team at this point. It's not going, it's really hard to look at Robinson Cano and think that he's going to get much better given all of the context of where he is in his career right now and why. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it sucks. I'm not happy about it because I also like Robinson Cano and the Mets are and it would have been very fun and good for Robinson Cano to have a, a turnaround season. And that would have been really good for the Mets. But the but reality is reality. And the Mets are trying to win a championship and they need to do what it takes to win a championship. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a tough choice because Dom isn't, you know, tearing the cover off the ball, despite the fact that he was the big like part of the big heroics last night. But I hope that. I hope that the Mets make the right choice here. Um, Optioning Dominic Smith is not the right choice, I don't think. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. Stay tuned. Um, In the meantime, we will uh, breeze really quickly through some uh, wider baseball items uh, before wrapping up this sort of rapid fire show today. Um, uh, We have very good news to announce that next week, Meredith Wills will be back on the podcast, which is very exciting. Um, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> We're having Meredith back on the pod because as baseball fans may know, uh, something's up with the ball again. <laughs> Offense is down across the entire league, like batting average, slugging percentage, home runs, you name it. Like it's all down across the league. Um, and I mean, part of that is always, you know, in April it's cold. And so the balls don't fly as far when it's cold and then things heat up in the summertime and the ball flies farther. But this is, this is more than that. Like the data indicates that this is like more of an, a, a league-wide offensive slump then can just be explained by the yeah, cold you weather. Can, you can compare April over April. Exactly. Um, and so Rob Arthur of Baseball Prospectus uh, just published a piece the other day that showed that the 2022 ball has higher drag, uh, which is, you know, irrefu- that that's like regardless of the weather, like the drag is uh, the drag is the drag. And so it has higher drag than previous iterations of the baseball. Um, and there was a, a piece in the athletic from, um, I think Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris today, um, that showed additional data that, you know, barrels aren't traveling as far. Um, and it also referenced back to Meredith and Bradford's work from last year about the two baseballs, which we covered in great depth last year by talking to Meredith and Bradford, um, but they note the new piece of information that they note um, in the athletic piece is that according to a memo that they obtained, only the original ball intended for use in 2021, which was kind of the, quote, deader ball, which was supposed to reduce batted ball distance, is in circulation this season. So it kind of makes sense that the drag is higher and that home runs are down, offense is down. Um, and 
Meredith had a really good quote in there that I won't read in full because we're going to have Meredith on the show next week to explain all of this. But she had she talked a lot about how these new balls storing these new balls in humidors, which now every team is doing now, every team is using humidors for the balls, maybe killing the offense like even more than we thought. Um, So she'll explain why that is on the show next week. And you should tune in uh, to hear that conversation because it's going to be really fun. Uh, And she's probably going to show us baseballs again and talk about knitting. So (laughs) (laughs) we know what to expect with Meredith and it's nothing but the best. There also will be a, um, a contest announcement. Ooh, yes. Get excited. We're going to have, we're going to have swag and prizes for you all. Um, so the other quick item that I don't want to waste too much breath on, uh, but it's worth, but you know, we have to, we have to have our, you know, weekly like Trevor Bauer moment. Um, but I mean, I think the, the only reason I want to talk about this really is because when Bauer initially sued Molly Knight and the athletic, we always said that this was laying the groundwork for him suing his accuser. Like that was always the point of that. And lo and behold, shock of shocks, he has sued his accuser. Um, I won't go into all the details of it, but it's the same. It's the same stuff as the other lawsuits, basically like you defamed me and, you know, you tried to get attention and money from me. And that's what the lawsuit says. It's uh, her lawyer's named in the lawsuit also. So this was always a stepping stone. The lawsuit of Molly Knight and the athletic was always for libel defamation was always a stepping stone to suing the accuser herself. And this is why women do not come forward when, you know, and also a reminder that these cases are famously impossible to actually go anywhere with. And This is all really just a legal temper tantrum that, among other things, makes it impossible for Trevor Bauer to be able to pitch for MLB because it interferes with, you know, MLB finishing up their investigation that would lead to end of his, or to I guess he's not even suspended yet. He's just like on administrative leave, which is administrative which keeps being basically um, it keeps being extended a week at a time. And now it's till April right. 29th, but it's going to keep being extended while these lawsuits are still active. So he's basically in this. And so basically stage. all of his, all of his teammates, everybody, he is just telling them absolutely no doubt about it. He would rather have a legal temper, temper tantrum than contribute to a baseball team this year. That exactly. is something we should remember when we think about who Trevor Bauer is as a person and what his priorities are despite threatening constantly to show up to Dodger stadium and like cause a circus, which nobody wants, like not even his teammates, his teammates don't want to be around him. Like they don't want him there. <laughs> yeah. So I can't imagine um, why he's a prince. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I guess more on this as it develops, but it will just continue to be like this, <laughs> uh, you know, for in, in perpetuity, I suppose. Um, But uh, before we end the show this week, uh, rapid fire show, um, we will, as always, do walk off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk off win for this week? Okay, this it has been sort of a, a crazy week, but there is just one moment that has brought me so much joy. And that is the Kyle Schwarber meltdown on Sunday Night Baseball. (laughs) So Um, and truly, I mean. This is like one of the best moments around MLB in a long time. So I, I assume anybody who hasn't seen it, please pause right now and just go Google it. Schwarber 
ejected, whatever, it'll come up of him reacting to Angel Hernandez uh, calling the game in a very Angel Hernandez-like manner. But the level, and he did it all night long, screwed over everybody. Carl Schwarber got rung up uh, for the second time on a maybe close, but not that close, bad call from Angel Hernandez. And the things that I love about this first is like, he was so ready for that fight. Like as he was, he took off towards first cause he thought he had the walk, but then the instant he's rung up, he slams that bat down on the ground, like a half a second in it's just, he's so, you know, on alert for that one. And then like the intensity of his hand gestures, I don't know that as an Italian, I don't know if Kyle Schwarber is part of our little community over here, but, um, his hand gestures are super duper Italian. I love it. And he's, and they're very like, it's so crystal clear. He's like, you missed the pitches on this side of the plate. And he goes, and he like walks all the way over to the other side of the plate to demonstrate. And that side of the plate, you miss them high. And he like holds his hands over his head. I mean, everything is just so perfect. He drops a lot of F-bombs. Um, loyal listeners may know that that is something I sometimes do. I have a lot of <laughs> love in my heart for anyone who curses as much as I do. And Kyle Schwarber Same. is clearly one of them. Um, I also love how everybody on the field is pretty much on his side with yes. all of this. Like, yes. um, like Andrew McCutcheon's in the, the outfield kind of awkward, like awkwardly smiling and, and nodding a little bit. And, and Hater keeps looking around like somebody, like somebody is going to take away his strikeout because it was so obviously bullshit. Uh, and it just like, like that to me, what was great about it was everybody. It was this rare moment of unity in baseball. Like everyone on Twitter was unified and like, hell yeah, Kyle Schwarber, screw you, Angel Hernandez. Everyone on the field felt that way. It is just nothing brings us together like hating Angel Hernandez. And I think that's a really valuable service that he provides for us because we know he's not providing any other valuable services. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, I am very pro union workers, so I am anti-robot umpires, but it's like Angel yes. Hernandez tests my patience in that regard. <laughs> Angel Hernandez exists to make me double down on my belief in the positive power of unions. This is for sure. Yes. But, um, but I also, and I do appreciate though, in the interest of unity that Schwarber was also very clear on multiple, at multiple points that he was doing this on both sides, that he yes. was screwing over everybody. It was yes. not a like, you know, you are hurting the Phillies kind of moments. Like, no, this is just bad. It is hurting everybody. Like your presence is making this game palpably worse. Yeah. And like, the fact that he did it on Sunday night baseball with like a night, a nationwide audience, as opposed to just like, I mean, I'm sure that like if he had done the same exact thing and it wasn't on Sunday night baseball and it was on the Phillies broadcast and just the Phillies and the Brewers regional sports networks, like it would have gone around on the, and gone viral on the internet eventually, like Twitter would have found it and it would have gone viral. But like the fact that lots of people saw it live, I think made a huge difference too. Yeah. It was definitely like a, everyone's in this together, like, like Will Smith punching the guy at the Oscars, <laughs> like kind of like everybody. It was really the baseball equivalent time. of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably less controversial. Cause again, the whole point is that like, that was probably the most reasonable series of things that anyone has said to Angel Hernandez in a long time. 
Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was, it, I agree. I agree. I don't have anything to add. That was, it was fantastic. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, we are all Kyle Schwarber in this moment. If you haven't, I mean, if you have watched it, go and watch it again anyway, because it ages great. It's so good. I watched it like 10 times today. It's very good. Um, so my walk-off win for this week is that, um, last Saturday, um, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before, um, I would, uh, I went to city field for the first time this season, which, you know, it was the second game of, uh, the second, uh, home game of the season. So, you know, pretty early, um, trip to city field for me. Um, and it was just, you know, nice to be back. The Mets didn't win the game. So that was unfortunate. I, I, I feel it's like hard to catch a Mets loss nowadays. I know. I feel like my, my, my luck has been pretty bad because, uh, of the Mets five losses, I have recapped one of them for Amazing Avenue and I've been at another one of them, <laughs> which I feel like are pretty bad odds. But well, it's a 40% failure rate. Or I know. I guess 40% involvement rate. I don't know. Not good. But I have also. The brain is getting confused. But yes. To be fair, I've also attended one Mets win and recapped one Mets win now. So. Uh, oh, so I mean, you're at worst 50 50. I'm 50 50 right now. You'll get there. But, um, but, you know, just based on like what the, what my record should be based on what the Mets record should be. It's not good. It's true. It's yeah. not, it's not great, but it's I was not still as bad as when I witnessed 13 straight losses. That was, oh my God, that hopefully, was not my best. Uh, hopefully nothing, hopefully nothing like that happens for anyone in 2022. Cause it would mean that the Mets are probably turning for the worst. Um, but it was still nice, despite the fact that the, that they lost. I was still very happy to be back. Um, I, I had the Jacobs pickles sandwich that you uh, that you heralded so much, and I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, and I drank at Ebbs, which is the new you know brewery now in the McKellar space. Obviously, everyone every fan of the pod knows that we were absolutely heartbroken when McKellar closed. Um, mm. And so it was nice. It's nice to have a brewery back in City Field again. Um, and the space is essentially unchanged from the McKellar space. <laughs> so just, like take off the sign, the, like the old fashioned like chalk signs and replace them with other old fashioned chalk signs. Yeah, basically. It's like, you know, I could just like kind of close my eyes and like imagine I'm back at McKellar and it felt like the same thing. (laughs) Except it's like 80% IPAs, but whatever. People love their IPAs. Whatever, you know, and I, and I like, you know, they do have like a couple of other things and I did sample those and I enjoyed them a great deal. I actually like was kind of low on ebbs, like the beer itself, because the only ebbs beer they have in the ballpark itself is IPA number seven. Um, and I don't, I don't really like that one. And so I was like, oh man, like the ugh, lame it sucks. Um, but I, um, I went to the actual brewery and I had their other offerings and I enjoyed everything I drank. So that was, Excellent. I was much happier. Um, so you know, and we'll sample and report back more on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, so we will sample those. Um, and I'm just, I was very excited to be back. Um, I did get to witness the Starling Marte Homer. So at least there's that, even if the team lost, um, but I enjoyed my experience and it was just good to be home again. And now I get to do it again on Saturday and I can't wait. 
Um, so that is my walk off whim for this week. And that does it for the show this week. Sorry for the rapid fire. We had some last minute things come up, but we, we got to spend a week y'all. It's been a week. We got a show out for you. Um, and we will have a more extensive show next week with Meredith, um, and Linda and Kellyanne or both will be back with us, um, next week for that. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content, our morning news posts, our game recaps. Like I said, Michael Drago has a piece coming out about Robinson Cano, uh, and why the Mets should cut him. That goes like way further into detail than we were able to have time for tonight. Um, so you should check that out along with everything else. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Amazing Avenue Audio. Uh, you can subscribe to our entire fantastic suite of podcasts. Um, please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets, and don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.